Okay. <laughs> Praise God. God is good. So we're going to carry on with our message today on prayer, house of prayer. And um, as you know, last week um, I ran out of time. Nothing new under the sun. <laughs> and so do you remember we were talking about types of prayer last week? If you haven't, if you weren't here, I'd recommend you go and listen to it um, um, Listen to it online. It's on the app. It's on the website. But we, we, we looked at different types of prayer, and our foundation scripture was 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. Well done, Debbie. Thank you. <laughs> Which says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. And you remember I used a bit of an acronym to try and get the message across um, about the way, it's not a law, okay, this is not a law, but I just put it together so that we could try and sort of explain the different types of prayer and also the importance of the way that we do pray. And we used an acronym which was a, C, T, and S. Is there an acronym that comes up? Yay, ACTS. A, C, T, and S. Who can remember what the A stood for? Adoration. Yes, give, give Andrea a hand. <laughs> yes, she remembered. Prayer of adoration. When we praise God for who he is. The next one was C, which is confession. You can put it up now because they're not go it's going to be embarrassing, Debbie, if we have to try and get this out of everybody. C was for confession, the prayer of confession, where we humble ourselves before God. And if there is sin in our lives, we confess it before God, and He is faithful and just and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God is good. Amen. T was thanksgiving, prayer of thanksgiving, not just to be thankful, but to actually give thanks, to make it, make a point of being, you know, showing our gratitude and speaking out words of thanksgiving. And then the S was the one that we didn't get to, which is supplications, supplications. So I'm just going to kind of summarize, and then we're going to go into today's message. And supplications, the word supplications Supplication actually means to ask, to seek, to make a humble appeal. And oftentimes, you'll see the word supplication and also the word petition. So supplications and petitions. And the word petitions is um, request, a, a definite request. So the prayer of supplication or the prayer of petition is asking God for something. But, you know, it's just a fancy word. These are just fancy words. You know, it doesn't really matter what you call it, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I don't think we have to say to God, listen, God, this is now my prayer of supplication, okay? So I know the Greek word for this. And, you know, God's, <laughs> we just got to let our requests be made known. And that's the key. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this. Be anxious for nothing. Stop worrying. Stop worrying, people. <laughs> be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, there's the word, with thanksgiving, there's the thanksgiving bit again, 
Let your requests, your petitions, be made known to God. It's a well-known scripture. And you know what, but sometimes you can read these things and then suddenly God highlights certain things. And I think, I realize, the Bible says, let your requests be made known to God. You know, we don't have to, in other words, we've got to let God know what our requests are. Prayer is communion with God, it's speaking to God. So we've got to articulate our requests. Um, we're not playing guessing games. You know, you can think about something that you might have need of. You think, okay, I need, in fact, I could do with a, with a little bit of a jumper today. I'm freezing in here today. It's cold in here today. I think, yeah, Lord, you know, well, I, I don't even have to pray to the Lord. I can just think, I need, a, I need a coat. That's not a prayer. You know, we come to God. Let your request be made known to God. Lord, my request, my, my supplication, my request I need a coat. Let your request be made known to God. Let's not leave him and just think because I've thought it that I've prayed it. Let your requests be made known to God what they are. He, he, and also, I think sometimes we, we become a little bit mystical and we go, to, we go before God and we say, Oh Lord, you know what I have need of. <laughs> Thank you. I receive it in Jesus' name. Like God is like, Well, can you tell me what it is? You know? We, he, it's, 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 a bad, it's an act of humility. It's recognizing that he's God, we're not. He's our, he's our source, and we come to him. Hey. And be specific. Be specific. You know what? On a, a number of occasions, on big things in my life and in our lives, I've gone to, the, I've gone to God, I've created a list. I mean, not a shopping list, but if it's something in particular, a specific prayer need, a specific request, and I'll tell you the first one, the first time I ever did this was praying for a husband. And I wrote a list. And I said, these, Lord, are non-negotiables. These are the absolute non-negotiables. He must be born again. Non-negotiable. I hadn't met Chris at this stage. It, it was an absolute. I, would, I was not interested in anybody other than a believer in Jesus Christ. Then I came up with a whole load of others. Some were a little bit more flexible, but they were what, what my requests were. And look what he blessed me with. You know, over and above, super abundantly, thank you, Lord. He, he saw my list. Because everything that I asked for, ta-da, is in my husband. So thank you, Lord. God is interested in the detail of our lives. He really is. The same thing, when we've, when we've ever been in a position to buy a house, there are certain absolutes about a house. You know, come on, it's not for us, it's quiet. We've got to live in a quiet place. That's an absolute. It's not, it's not negotiable. I cannot live in a noisy place. I can't take noise. So that's number one, requirement number one. Number two, it's got to be detached. <laughs> I can't bear noisy neighbors. You know, it's just like these are absolutes. So, and God has honored, God has honored all these prayers. But be specific. That's my point. And make sure that your request lines up with the word of God. So if there's anybody here today and you believe in God for a Lamborghini, guess what? You cannot present, yeah, you can present your request, but it's not in God's word. You know, God doesn't say that he's going to give you a Lamborghini. He might give you a donkey. 
you know, I don't know. But, but let's make sure that our requests are in line with God's word. 1 John 5, 14 says this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. Oh, this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, and his word is his will, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions, the requests that we have asked of him. We need to ask. Okay, but make sure that it's in line with God's word. But I love that scripture. This is the confidence. We can have confidence in God. We can have confidence before God. We can come before, you know, having a need in your life is not sin. Okay, it's not sin. Just because you might be uh, struggling in a certain area, there might, there might be lack in a certain area of your life, it doesn't mean it's sin. It's not sinful. We can have confidence before God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask God. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. You know, maybe it's healing in our bodies. Maybe it's financial provision, whatever it is. But we need to come to God in our time of need. Let Make that your first stop. So A-C-T-S, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and supplication. We're going to start with today's message. Praise God. We're going to continue on the types of prayer, and today we're going to look at intercession. Intercession. And I just want to try and describe to you what I think intercession looks like. In the Bible, in the book of Joshua, chapter 3, we read the account of uh, Joshua leading the nation of Israel across the Jordan River, from the wilderness into the promised land. And to me, uh, this is just such a picture of what intercession is about. Um, Joshua, when the, when the time was right, Joshua told the priests, take the Ark of the Covenant up to the River Jordan. And so they did. And when you get there, you step into the river. Now, at the time of the year when this happened was springtime. The Jordan River wasn't a little trickle. It wasn't a little stream. It was a fast-flowing river. It was swollen. It, was, it had, had rain. But as, what happened was as soon as the priest's feet touched that river, the river upstream at a place called Adam stopped flowing. In fact, it said, the Bible says, the water upstream from them stood and rose up like a heap. Oh, how awesome is God? Hey, how awesome? How awesome is God? The, the water upstream stood and rose up like a heap, and the water downstream continued flowing until the riverbed was dry. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. And about one million Israelites crossed over on that dry riverbed. It wasn't soggy. 
You know, if you go out, we've had a lot of rain lately. I don't know if you've noticed. But if you go out and you start walking in a section of your grass that may be a little bit wet, you have two or three people, it starts compacting. It becomes muddy. It's slushy. It's awful. This didn't happen. The, children, the, the riverbed was totally dry. And the priests remained in that riverbed holding the Ark of the Covenant while the one million Israelites crossed over from the wilderness into the promised land. And once all the, the million of them had crossed over, um, the priests left the river. The priests left the river. They also went onto the other side and the river started flowing again. And to me, this is a physical example of what intercession looks like. A picture of those priests standing in the gap while Israel entered the promised land. You know what? Before any of us were saved, we were all wandering around in our wilderness. <laughs> and Jesus, though, bridged that gap. In Christ, we entered our promised land. Praise God, we don't have to go down to the Jordan today. But this is what it happens when we intercede for our unsaved families and friends. This is a picture of what it looks like. We are like those priests in the Jordan River, standing in the gap, stopping the tide from flowing. A praying, if you're praying for somebody to, um, to get saved, for instance, what you're wanting to do, you're praying for them to go from their wilderness into their promised land, from, 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 from Egypt into the promised land. Whether, and whether you're praying for somebody for salvation, whether it's salvation, whether it's a spiritual uh, prayer need that this person might have, it could be financial, it could be relational. Whatever the situation might be, but we are acting like those priests standing in the River Jordan, watching that river upstream, standing up on a heap, and we're making a dry path for that person to walk through. And I just want to also actually address some of misconceptions about intercession, about intercession what it's not, okay, what intercession isn't. It's not a bunch of weirdos, okay, <laughs> um, uh, who have sort of special inroads with God. That's not what intercession is, because I've seen some, some weird th things throughout the years. And um, it's not also, people who intercede are not a special class of super-Christians, okay? They're not that, and they're not like an exclusive elite club, you know, well, I'm an intercessor, bless God. No, that's not true. As believers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we are all called to intercede. We are all called to be intercessors. As, as believers, we've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And just as the Holy Spirit intercedes for you and for me, so we too need to intercede for others. So this isn't for a privileged few. This is for us all. So what is intercession? When we saw that supplication is speaking to God about my needs, my requests, whereas intercession is speaking to God for other people's needs. When you're speaking to God on behalf of someone else. 
And that word intercede comes it's, it's, uh, from a, a Latin word. Uh, the root word is inter, meaning between, and seed, the, the Latin word is cadera, which means to go. So the word intercede actually means to go between, if you were to look at it, if you were to break it down. So when you intercede on behalf of someone else, you're acting as a go-between. You're praying to God on behalf of somebody else. And in the, in the Bible, intercessory prayer is also called standing in the gap. And I try to explain what that actually means. And I think of a wall. So a wall is made up of various components, um, the main ones being bricks and mortar, right? And um, the, so you've got the bricks. We all know what a brick is. And the mortar is what's in the joints between the bricks. So that mortar acts as a go-between between between the bricks. The the mortar intercedes between the bricks to bind them together and to strengthen them. And without that mortar going between the bricks, the wall would fall, the wall would collapse. We need that mortar in between the bricks. And we see this in the book of Ezekiel when God saw the corruption in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city that was previously known as a holy city, a beautiful city, the city of God, Jerusalem. Hey, it's such a beautiful name, Jerusalem. But Jerusalem had fallen into sin, depravity, idolatry, and violence to such an extent that in Ezekiel 22, God actually calls Jerusalem a bloody city, a bloody city. But you know, God doesn't just sit in heaven and judge and criticize and say, well, that's it, I wash my hands off the matter. Instead, he sought someone. He sought someone who would pray for the city. And Ezekiel 22 Verse 30, God says this, I sought for a man among them in Jerusalem, amongst this depravity and amongst this this violence that was rife and rampant in the city. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. I found no one. As a result of this depravity, the, the decline in this beautiful city, which was previously a beautiful city, the result was the Babylonian exile. But the sin and the depravity in the city caused there to be gaps in the mortar, which meant that the walls were facing collapse. And God was looking for someone to stand in those gaps. Stand in the gap. Pray to him. Intercede for the city. Come on, people. It's time for us to intercede for this city. For for this. Is this still on? It's time for us to intercede for this city, for, for Waterlooville, 
you know, you just have to take a walk into the high street. You just go down to the shops. Man, this place, we need the Lord in this place like never before. And this, this, the, the, the role of the intercessor is not just for those select few. It's down to you and me. But we need to be praying for our city, for our town, for all the surrounding areas, praying for the people. Act as that go-between. Act as that mortar. You know what? The Bible says God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. He wants people to repent. He wants people to repent. And Jerusalem had a need of an intercessor, but there was no one available. The walls were crumbling. The defenses were down, and God needed someone to stand in the gap. We see this also in the life of Abraham, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sorry, this isn't very edifying, is it? But, but it's talking about, but, it's, but we've got to give the full counsel of God. This is, this is a fact. This is truth. This is what happens. When, when, bad, when good men do nothing, then evil prevails. You know, we've, we've got to stand in the gap. We've got to be praying for our country. It's no good us criticizing whoever you want to in the government. Pray for them. Let's pray for them. You know, uh, God has put Penny Mordant on my heart. Yeah. Let's pray. She's an MP in, in Portsmouth. She, she's an influential person. Let's keep praying. Let's be praying for our members of parliament. Let's be praying for our government. Let's be praying for our prime minister. Let's be praying. God's desire is that all men are saved. And he, Paul says in Timothy, I exhort first of all that, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for, all, for kings and all who are in authority. We, we've got to be praying, people. Look at Abraham with Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom was, uh, you know, uh, well, God told Adam, uh, Abraham about the impending doom on Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happened? Abraham interceded. God, Abraham went before God and said, God, if there's just 50 people, will you spare these cities? And God said, I'll spare the cities for 50 people. And Abraham reduced it and said, okay, how about 45? For 45 people, will you spare the city? God said, I'll spare the city. 30, and he brings him down, brings him down. Eventually, Abraham gets to, God, what about just 10 people? God said, I will not destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of 10 people. Abraham's intercession saved the life of Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, four of them. He saved them. Sodom and Gomorrah, we know fire and brimstone came down, and the rest, they say, is history. But Ab Abraham's intercession saved the lives of those righteous people. There's so much truth in this. There's so much power in this, and we need to take it on board. And I think of uh, a guy, Stephen, the first martyr in the New Testament, he was being stoned to death. He was being stoned to death. And at the very point of death, he intercedes for those that are busy stoning him. He says, do not hold, do not charge them with this sin. The Bible says, and then he fell asleep. He went, he went to be with Jesus. And you know what happened? When he entered heaven, the Bible says that Jesus stood up and welcomed him. He, Jesus stood up when Stephen passed. When Stephen passed. 
but his final words, Lord, do not charge them with the sin. Look at Jesus on the cross, on the cross, dying a horrific death. And he said, Father, forgive them. He's praying. He's interceding for the people that are busy crucifying him. They do not know what they're doing. Just, you know, if Jesus has to intercede, how much more we do? How much more we do? And just prior to his crucifixion, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. Do you remember that? Peter was going to deny Jesus. And in Luke 22, verse 31 to 32, the Lord says these words to, to Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. <laughs> the enemy's out to get him. But Jesus says, I have prayed for you. Jesus prayed for Peter that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, not if, maybe, no, I have prayed for you, you will return to me. And what's going to happen is you're going to strengthen your brethren. So Jesus himself prayed for Peter, even though, even though he did deny Jesus, but he was fully restored. He was restored, and not only restored, he was strengthened. Can you imagine how differently Peter's life would have turned out if Jesus hadn't prayed for him? Satan's come to sift you as wheat. Okay, go for it, Satan. No. Can you imagine? This is the guy, Peter, that landed up on the day of Pentecost, preaching the gospel. 3,000 people added to the church that day. Wham! Just like that. He went on. He had only reached about, he was about in his 40s at that stage. He, re he lived another 20-something years, and he achieved much for the kingdom of God. And we're going to just look at him briefly in, um, in the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. We see the account of Peter in prison. In Acts chapter 12, Herod had just had James put to death. And the Jews were like baying for blood. They were like so excited because Herod had had James put to death. So they started baying for blood. So they said, arrest some more, arrest some more. So Herod has Peter arrested. And the Bible's graphic, eh? <laughs> Holds no punches. <laughs> and so he has Peter arrested, but not just a couple of soldiers. He has four quads of soldiers, like f between 16 to 20 men, to arrest a fisherman. You know, talk about somebody like over the top, eh? So anyway, so we pick it up in Acts chapter 12, verses 5, and says, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. How fantastic. Constant prayer. Peter's in prison. Constant prayer. The, the Amplified says fervent and persistent prayer. Fervent prayer. Not, oh God, you know, bless Peter in prison. 
make it comfortable. No, they were fervent. Come on, we've got to ignite a little bit of fire within us. Other, other translations say intentional and without ceasing. They prayed. Peter's in prison. They were standing in the gap. They were acting like those priests in the River Jordan. They were holding back that, 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 that water upstream. They were holding it back. They were praying for him. They were standing in the gap. And the entire church, not just one or two, the entire church was acting as that go-between. One will put a 1,000 to flight. Two, 10,000. Come on. When you, when you get into agreement in the church, when you get together with a believer, things happen. Things happen. Where two or more agree, we've got to get into agreement with each other and get, get God on the scene. And it goes on in verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter, that night, Peter was sleeping, <laughs> bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Peter wasn't lying awake. He wasn't like, oh my, I'm, you know, I'm, it's nighttime. I'm lying down between these two gods, four gods. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm dying. No, he's sleeping the sleep of the beloved. He's fast asleep. The angel had to come into that cell, turn on the light, well, okay, maybe he didn't literally turn on the light because, okay, I realize, okay, send me your complaints, to, send your complaints to Chris about my doctrine. But anyway, the angel had to turn on the light. He had to strike Peter on the side, you know, like, dish, <laughs> wake up. And he had to get him out of bed. It's like getting one of your kids out of bed in the morning, Hey. All the people with, with young kids, come on, wake up, kids, it's time to go to school. No, but Peter, he struck Peter on the side and lifted him out of bed. And I, you know what I love? Peter is the one who wrote 1 Peter 5 verse 7 that says, cast your cares on the Lord for he cares for you. I think in Acts chapter 12, he already had the revelation of that scripture. Cast your care on the Lord, for he cares for me. Not only that, the church is praying for me. The entire church is praying for me. And look what happens. And his chains fell off his hands. It's like those priests in the Jordan. They're holding back that river they're holding back the river just by their presence, by acting in faith, by doing what God told them to do. The chains fell off. It was a miracle. How did those chains fall off? It was miraculous because constant prayer was being offered. You know, sometimes we pray. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. I pray, Lord, thank you. And I'm in faith and I'm believing. And, I'm and then prayer gets on to like, Wow well, where, where was your faith then, <laughs> you know? But let's expect the unexpected. Let's expect signs and wonders to follow the preaching of the word. Let's expect signs and wonders that we lay hands on the sick and they recover. Come on, let's expect these things to happen. 
And the angel says to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your coat and follow me. Put on your garment. You know, the angel had to tell Peter how to get dressed. This is like a child. (laughs) He's a 40-year-old. But he was in such a state of shock. I believe that he was in such a state of shock that he, he, he didn't, he, in fact, the Bible says that he wasn't actually sure that what he was experiencing, whether it was real or whether it was a vision, because he had had visions before, four years previously, in two chapters earlier, he had had a vision where the whole of Cornelius's household got saved as a result of that vision. So he wasn't sure what was happening, whether it was real or a vision. He, the, he was like, he was acting a bit, he had brain fog you know, doesn't know how to get dressed, doesn't know about his coat, doesn't know about anything. But anyway, he walks past, the the angel of the Lord takes him, walks past two guard posts. They come to these iron gates, and the iron gates open of their own accord. It's the, it's, this this is literally the world's first remote controlled gate in the Bible. (laughs) There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. I love it. I love it. And they arrived at the house where it says many were gathered together praying. And listen to this in verse 13. It says, And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate. (laughs) She was so excited. She just ran back. She just ran back and announced, Peter's standing at the gate. Yes, Dumbo, open the gate. Okay. And they said to her, No way. You're besides yourself. <laughs> but she kept insisting that it was so. And so they said, it's his angel. In other words, a ghost. You know, it's his angel. But come on. It's so important that when we pray, we make sure that we are praying in faith. The church had been praying, and God answered their prayers miraculously. But then they couldn't believe the result. They just can't believe it that this has actually happened. So some little tips here. Make sure when you are interceding, when you're praying, make sure that you're praying in faith. Be expectant. Expect that Jordan to dry up. Expect the Jordan River to dry up. And when God puts somebody on your heart, don't just think about them, fluffy little thoughts. Pray for them. Pray for them. Intercede. Stand in the gap. You don't know what that person's going through on that particular day in that particular moment or what lies ahead, but God knows. So be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. It's the best prayer you can pray. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the capital S, also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Let's make ourselves available to be used by God in this way. You know, this week, when when you think of someone, start praying for them. Start praying. If you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. 
You know, maybe today God is saying, like he did in Ezekiel, I'm seeking a man. I'm seeking a woman who will build a wall and stand in the gap for this person, for this city, for this nation. Maybe God is asking. He's looking. You know, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him, those who will say, yes, Lord, use me, use me. You know what? Intercessory prayer, it's, it's probably the most unselfish prayer you can do because you, no one sees, but you and God, it's between you and God. No one sees, and God rewards openly. So be like those priests in the Jordan. Stand in the gap for your loved ones, the lost. Be like that mortar between the bricks. Be that go-between, but be led by the Holy Spirit. Rely on his leading. And I'm going to end this with two scriptures, Romans 8, 27. Very important. The Holy Spirit is making intercession for you and for me today. Bible says, he who searches the hearts, that's God, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Not only does the Holy Spirit help us to pray, he also prays for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding He's our intercessor for you and I. So the Holy Spirit is making intercession. Jesus is making intercession. Two couple of verses later, Romans 8.34, as goes on, it says, It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen King, Jesus. He is, he's, he's risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. We cannot lose, people. We can't lose. We've got God the Holy Spirit. We've got God the Son making intercession. God the Spirit prays to God the Father for you and for me. God the Son prays to God the Father for you and for me. We cannot lose. Jesus, who died, he's risen from the dead. He's not a defeated, defeated person, powerless, defeated, weak. He's at the right hand of the Father, reigning in victory, defeated death, conquered the grave. And he's victorious and reigning in power and victory. Man, I want that person to be interceding for me. I don't know about anybody else here today. I need him in my life, interceding. God the Holy Spirit prays to God the Father. God the Son, Jesus Christ, pay, prays to the Father. God prays to God for us. Oh, you can't go wrong. God prays to God. I think this just shows us the importance, the fact that the God the Father, God the Son, uh, sorry, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are intercessors our intercessors reveals the importance of intercession. It's not to be it's not to be snubbed. 
It's not to be reject, not to be left alone, but we're not doing it until we're doing it. So I want to challenge us this week. When God lays someone on your heart, pray for them. Pray for them, like your life depended on it. Pray for them earnestly. Praise God. Amen. That's it. That's the end of my message. Praise God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that you've um, instructed us and that you've inspired us, Lord, and challenged us maybe in places to intercede, to, to, to pray for our nation, to pray for our families, to pray for our friends, our families, our neighbors. Lord God, would you remind us this week, Lord, Bring this word to our remembrance, the importance of us interceding. And um, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you touch every heart, you touch every life, Father. Now, right now, I just want to pray for those who have needs as well. Father, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can get into agreement. If there's anyone that wants prayer, it's no good just talking about prayer. But if there's anybody who wants prayer today, why don't you come forward? Chris and I would be happy to pray for you. We'd be, we'd be happy to pray for you. So is that okay, Chris? Okay. If you want prayer, please come and speak to us. We're happy to pray for you. But Lord, in the meantime, I just thank you, Lord, for every person here today. I thank you, Lord, that you bless them, that you cause your face to shine upon them, give them peace, comfort those who need comfort, heal those who need healing, deliver those who need deliverance, Lord, provide for those who need provision, Father, and we just give you praise and we magnify your name in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.